0: Joining us now is Marvin Ryder, business professor at the Group School of Business McMaster University. He is with us now. All right, let's talk about uh, local uh, 1005, the city of Hamilton uh, opposing the Stelco restructuring plan. Uh, where is this going? It's, it just, it, this just keeps going around and around and around in circles. It,
1: well, the opposition are for two quite different reasons. So let me start with the city of Hamilton because that might be a little easier to understand. I think primarily the city is upset because they weren't uh, involved at all. No one thought to include them. And I can tell you why they weren't included is that the amount of money the city is owed is infinitesimal. Now, I hate to say 6 to $8 million is infinitesimal, but when your single largest creditor is owed $2.3 billion, we're not even talking 1% of that. This is like one-third of 1% of this. That's why people have focused on the largest creditors first. What the judge has said in the case is the following. If this deal is approved, and I'm thinking it might be approved for March 31st, 2017, instantly they start paying property taxes again. So that's number one. That's great news for the city. And then number two, have you accrued the taxes you've been owed? Oh, you have? Good. Send them a bill and tell them you owe us these back taxes. So although the judge didn't make them pay them, he didn't waive them. He just said accrue them. And there's no reason to think that Uh, uh, the new owners uh, are going to come along and not pay those taxes. So I get it that your nose is out of joint, that you weren't involved, but I don't think you've got that much to worry about. The union is different. What the union wants is a magical word that we don't have anymore. It's called guarantees. They want to guarantee first that the pension fund will be fully funded tomorrow and so whatever whatever money is being put into this company and we think the deal is around uh... three three and a half billion dollars um, we want you to add another billion and fully top up all the pension funds so we never have to worry about this again the current deal doesn't do that What the current deal does is seize some guaranteed payments but relatively small ten million fifteen million dollars and then the creation of this thing called a land trust where all of the land that uh, stelco currently occupies is put into this trust some of it is leased back to the company for operations. The remainder gets cleaned up and then is offered for sale. And then hopefully new businesses locate there. Well, as it's sold, those land parcels are sold, that will generate, my guess is, somewhere between 100 million and $200 million that will go into the pension fund. What the union says is, well, all right, I get that. But all you're doing is punting the problem down the road. Mm. You're not fixing the deficit today. And we don't want anything to go forward without a guarantee this deficit will be taken care of. On the other hand, uh, you know, the companies involved say, we just don't have the extra kind of money to give you that guarantee. The other thing they want is a guarantee that we won't go through this process again. We went through one creditor protection, and then we had a venture capital emerge. Then they sold it to U.S. Steel. Now we got another creditor protection, another venture capital company. Guess what, Scott? In probably five years, they'll flip it to another steelmaking company, and they say, oh, I'm tired of this cycle. Get us off this merry-go-round. Give us a guarantee this will never happen again. Hmm. And, again, you can't give them those kind of guarantees.
0: Uh, That was my next question. Will we be having this discussion again five years from now?
1: Well, we could. And so the the key thing to understand about any primary metal industry, so that could be copper, that could be iron, it could be nickel, it could be aluminum, is they tend to go through feast and famine cycles. There's a time when the world is snapping up all of that metal that they can, whatever metal we were talking about, and then there's another time when the, the market's not and prices fall. And so the trick is, in good times, you bank the money you make and you build up cash reserves, what have you, and then when you get to the leaner times, you can draw on those. I think the problem for Stelco, if we go through the last cycle, was although there were some good times, this is when the company got flipped to U.S. deal, and then all of a sudden, as U.S. deal was ready to do things, the economy turned south. There just wasn't enough good times to bank enough money to get through the bad times, and it could happen all over again.
0: How is DeFasco surviving, yet Stelco has these issues?
1: You know, this, uh, people ask me that question all the time. And I'm sure I've
0: asked you several times. No,
1: well, no, not you, but other people have asked me this all the time. And you have to go back to a decision made roughly 50 years ago, a strategic decision. Both companies had their little retreats, and one said, you know, we're going to focus on small production runs of high steel, high uh, Uh, high-technology kinds of steel, special additives, special commodities. We're going to go after little niche markets. That's DeFasco. Stelco said, no, we're going to make good quality basic steel that you can use in all kinds of different things. And for the first 20 to 30 years, the two strategies both seemed to work in the marketplace. Both kinds of products were demanded. But now as we've approached the, the 90s and the 2000s and now the 2010s, We're seeing the demand for basic commodity steel declining, and people saying, no, I need steel with special little properties, special little niches, and DeFasco then was positioned for that brilliantly, and unfortunately, Stelco was not. Could they change it? Yes, but whenever you change your strategy, it takes a while for people to say, well, I don't know if I trust you. You didn't make this kind of steel before, so now you've got to win me over as opposed to going to the tried and true, the one who's always made it. It's hard to change that strategy once you put it into place, especially after 50 years.
0: Want to hear more? Download the podcast on iTunes or Google Play and listen to the Scott Thompson show weekdays from noon to 3 on AM 900 CHML.